While you were folding episode 49, January Potpourri. Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things and my real imperfect life. I've been a wife for 11 years and a mother for nine. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will talk about the ups and downs, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Father, thank you so much for this time to slow down, gather my thoughts on what's been going on around our house lately. It's been a season of gray outside here in Nebraska for this past week. And in this season that sometimes feels dark, help us to draw closer to the light that is you. Help each of us to be a light in each other's lives and help all of us to renew our commitments to strengthen our relationships with you in the new year, to strengthen our marriages, to improve our physical health, to dig deep and find out what parts of us might need healing, to see what might be interfering with our ability to parent in the way that we want to, And to have good, healthy boundaries as we figure out how we want to approach the different ways that you're asking us to serve others, whether it be our family, our friends, our extended family, our parish, our local community. Help us to be wise with all of those things. And we ask these things through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hello, here I am back two weeks in a row. As promised, I am trying to stick with this weekly publishing the podcast routine. So even though I was feeling the nudge to not do it, a little bit of what my husband calls imposter syndrome, I'm doing the podcast because it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not perfectly polished. I jotted a couple things down and we're just going to go for it. So I'm calling this episode January Potpourri because I had a couple thoughts that came to mind and I want to do a deep dive on something next week. So today, just a couple of random things that came to mind. First of all, this last week, we had our first week back to school for our older kids. And I don't know what episode number it was. It was some point in there talking about after school restraint collapse, the idea that kids, they get so used to being safe at home, feel the feeling that that's their safe space where they can just let it all hang out and have all of their emotions be safe. And that when they go to school, they're on all day long. It's a long day that it's often the kids that are on their best behavior all day long, trying to hold it together, that once they get home, 
they just fall apart and literally fall to the ground. Sometimes in exhaustion, frustration, anger, sadness, lots of tears. Um, And I think at my house, we are experiencing what my friend Julie called after school restraint collapse 2.0. And Julie, you are so right on about it. I feel like we're back to August all over again with the emotions that are running high. It's as if the kids lost any sort of stamina that they had gained at the first semester with the school year, just with the school routine. So getting back into the school routine has been a little bit difficult for our household. And half in jest, I posted to Facebook the words, repeat after me, I am not a failure as a mother. They are just readjusting to the back to school schedule. And I was, like I said, half kidding when I posted it, but it got a kind of a big response. And I think a lot of my friends are definitely identifying with that right now. So I thought I would just touch on it quickly on the podcast, just to say that as a mom, I still will, when I'm on the receiving end of my kids' big emotions, it's still really difficult for me to remember that more often than not, it's not about me and there's no need for me to take it personally. It's not a reflection of me as a mother. It doesn't mean that I have failed in teaching them emotional control or anything like that. And I wanted to pass along a podcast recommendation that has been really helpful for me in trying to come to terms with figuring out how to face kids' big emotions. And I'm guessing several of you have already heard of it, but for those who haven't, Janet Lansbury is phenomenal. She has a great podcast and it's called Unruffled Parenting. And I'll link to it in the show notes. And I'm going to actually highlight that in my notes right here. So I remember to do that. She is fantastic. She uh, takes listener questions on the podcast, talking about different scenarios that parents are finding themselves in and wanting to find solutions for the best practices going forward. And if I could try to sum up Janet Lansbury's approach, she tries to make sure that children are allowed to have their emotions recognized and to help parents to realize that it's not their job to help a child to quote unquote work through an emotion. It's our jobs to sit with our kids in their emotions and to allow them to feel them, express them, and then still have healthy good boundaries for what's unacceptable. If our two-year-old is hitting or biting someone, we're not going to allow that to happen and to stop it. But if my two-year-old is having a tantrum and is screaming and really upset about something, it's not my job to stop that in the moment. And I know when I first heard Janet Lansbury talking about her parenting philosophy, I was honestly kind of like, oh, holy cow, this sounds really permissive. 
But the longer I listen to her podcast and the more that I read her books, I am definitely on board with her philosophy of parenting. So if you haven't checked her out, I definitely recommend her podcast, Unruffled Parenting. She has a couple of books, and of course, I can't remember the exact titles off the top of my head. I think one of them is something like, There's No Such Thing as Bad Kids, or something like that. Um, Just get on Amazon, check for Janet Lansbury, and her books will pop right up. But her podcast, it's phenomenal. Highly recommend it. And if you are experiencing after-school restraint collapse at your house, more than anything, I want you to know that I think most households are experiencing that right now, and it will resolve, hopefully, (laughs) really soon as our kids get back into the routine of things. But transition is always an adjustment, and I'm trying to tell myself that as painful as the transition is right now, it means that we did a really good job of slowing down during our vacation and that we had found a pace of life that was really good and really healthy over vacation. And uh, when it's summertime, I look forward to having more control over our schedule. But in the meantime, trying to be very disciplined as a family in doing what we can outside the constraints of the school schedule to make the time that we do have together as peaceful, as recharging, full of connection as it can be. So just want to encourage all of you with all of that. And the other thing I wanted to talk about tonight, I read two phenomenal books in this past week. And I did not actually read the physical copies of them. I listened to both of these titles on audiobook. And the first one I wanted to talk about is um, Helen Keller wrote a phenomenal autobiography. It's called The Story of My Life. And I have always wanted to read it, but I never had. And I found it on Hoopla, our library's digital audiobook borrowing system. And this book, it shook me to my core. It, I always knew that Helen Keller lost her hearing and her ability to see, but I don't think I ever took the time to really sit and think about what that would mean for her day-to-day living what that would mean for a young woman in the early 20th century trying to get an education and trying to experience the world where she had lost those senses around age two because of illness and to just gain a vocabulary and how you take the world in without either of those senses And she had this beautiful quote toward the end of the book that I wanted to share with you. And it made me think about how this time of year, I think, is difficult for a lot of people, especially if you're in a climate like we are in Nebraska that can be dark and gray, like I talked about in our opening prayer. And Helen, in this quote, is talking about how dark and depressing and isolating it can be to live life without being able to see or hear. And 
I want to share this quote. It's a little bit on the longer side, but it is well worth sharing in its entirety. And I'll put it in the show notes as well. She says, is it not true then that my life with all its limitations touches at many points, the life of the world, beautiful, everything has its wonders, even darkness and silence. And I learn whatever state I may be in therein to be content. Sometimes it is true. A sense of isolation enfolds me like a cold mist as I sit alone and wait at life's shut gate. Beyond, there is light and music and sweet companionship, but I may not enter. Fate, silence, pitiless, bars the way. Fain would I question his imperious decree, for my heart is still undisciplined and passionate, but my tongue will not utter the bitter, futile words that rise to my lips and they fall back into my heart like unshed tears. Silence sits immense upon my soul. Then comes hope with a smile and whispers, there is joy in self-forgetfulness. So I try to make the light in others' eyes my sun, the music in others' ears my symphony, the smile on others' lips my happiness. Wow. Oh, I, I feel like I need to read and reread that quote every day. I take for granted my ability just to take in the world that God has created for us so much. And I don't think I really understood how much I took for all of it for granted until I read this book and listened to what it would be like to lose your sense of hearing and your sense of sight. And in spite of all of that, holy cow, not only does she have this amazing attitude that she shared in that quote, but before she talks about, before she shares that quote, you hear about her Herculean effort to be able to learn how to read, to figure out how to communicate. She learned how to speak. She went to college for crying out loud. And this was in the early 20th century when a lot of women were not even considering going to college, let alone women who had lost both their ability to hear and see. Um, But what I loved most about this quote was the whole idea of self-forgetfulness and that it's when we forget ourselves that it's so much easier to enter into joy. And I imagine... I know I can think of people in my life that I can describe as being self-forgetful and they are such a joy to be around because they are all about the moment. They're taking it all in and they make you feel like you are the only person in the room when you are speaking with them. And I imagine that's how people felt in the presence of Helen Keller. And I wonder how much of that is because she had to learn how to focus so strongly on the person with her that she was trying to communicate with because of her loss of hearing and sight, that she had to be so attuned to the other person's movements and their gestures that they were creating with their body. She would read the other person's lips by feeling the movement of their mouth to figure out what it was that they were saying. 
So imagine how present she was to the other person. And holy cow, half the time I can't even give my kids or my husband my eye contact half the time when they're trying to talk with me. And how humbling that is to think about. So I just, I love that quote. I love thinking about the joy and self-forgetfulness and how she's able to think about the joy that others must experience through their ability to see, their ability to hear music. And yeah, yeah, I love that. I definitely had some tears in my eyes when I first heard that quote. So I highly recommend that autobiography. And again, it's Helen Keller's autobiography called The Story of My Life. Um, Another really great book. um, It has a language warning from me. It's by Anne Lamott. And if you are familiar with her writing, you are not surprised that I'm giving it a language warning. Anne Lamott is one of my all-time favorite writers, and the latest book of hers that I read, it's not her last book, but it's the last one that I've read, it's called Stitches, a handbook on meaning, repair, and, sorry, meaning, hope, and repair. And the whole book is talking about restoration in relationships and what that looks like. And she has this beautiful quote about... Uh, the kind of person that she wants to be in the world. So here it is. This is all that restoration requires most of the time, that one person not give up. For instance, when I was in school, there were a few teachers along the way who must have seen in me a hummingbird of charming achievement. All eyes, bird bones, frizzly hair, and a desperation to please and impress. They knew that there was power and beauty deep inside me but that I was of this, and I was in fragments. Men and women alike, old and new at teaching, were like aunties or grandparents in their firm patience with me, in their conviction of my worth. They had a divine curiosity about me. Hey, who's in there? Are you willing to talk straight and find out who you actually are, if I keep you company? Do you want to make friends with your heart? Here, start with this poem. This is who I want to be in the world. This is who I think we are supposed to be. People who help call forth human beings from deep inside hopelessness. That's the end of it. I just love that quote. I love thinking about all of these awesome teachers or just great people that have come into my life that have done that very same thing for me. And hopefully all of you can think of at least one person who has done that in your life. And maybe it would, I just thought of this, maybe it would be um, a good challenge for each of us to think about who that person is or people are, and if we could let them know that and what a gift they've been in our lives to have, what does she call it? The divine curiosity about another person. I feel like Helen Keller had that. And that's what I loved so much about that quote that I shared. And that that's exactly what Anne Lamott is getting at. When someone has a divine curiosity about you, they want to get to the core of who you are, who's in there, and what makes you tick. What it is that God has put inside your soul that sets you on fire. And that 
and the end part where she says that that's who she wants to be in the world. This is who I think we are supposed to be people who help call forth human beings from deep inside hopelessness. So I love that one. Both of those books got five stars from me. And if you follow me on Goodreads, you know that I am a stingy star giver. Um, Let's talk about Goodreads for a moment. I want to know how all of you track what you're reading, because I've kind of run into a couple problems lately, and I love to keep track of quotes, books that I've read, when I read them, how many stars I give them, and why. But I am running into some readerly problems. I have too many books that I want to read and I need to start categorizing them, but I haven't quite figured out how to do that on Goodreads. So maybe some of you know how to do this. Maybe I just need to take the time to figure out how to create different shelves on there. For those of you who don't know, Goodreads, there's an app and there's a website, goodreads.com, and it's just an online way for you to track the books that you've read, the books that you want to read. You can give star ratings. You can give a quick review. And it's a fun way to keep track of your own reading as well as keep up with what your friends are reading. And if you understand a friend's taste, you can get really great book recommendations that way. So I really enjoyed it, but I need to really get my to read list in order because when I'm looking for a spiritual book, it's kind of, I know this sounds so silly, but it's kind of tiring to go through my list of, I don't know, I think I have like 600 books that I want to read. I know it's ridiculous. Um, So I don't know, I need to figure out how to categorize it. And I want to know, maybe you have a notebook or something. How do you keep track of your reading life and what's working for you. Maybe you have a totally different way of doing it. I would love to hear about it. The last big topic that I wanted to talk about tonight is all about my word of the year. I shared last week that my word of the year is home because we bought 20 acres out in the country. And when I say out in the country, it's five minutes away from the house that we live in now. Um, but we're going to be building a home and I'm trying to figure out what my decorating style is. And I checked out a huge stack of decorating books from the library and I've been scouring house H O U Z Z dot com. And it's a great, it's kind of like Pinterest, but for home design and decorating. And there's a lot of really great things out there, but unfortunately, so much of it seems to be for people who either do not have children or maybe have one child that will not be uh, needing a baby-proofed home for long (laughs) and seemingly has no toys And the laundry rooms never seem to have detergent in them. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how to reconcile all of these beautiful pictures with making a functional home that has five young children. And I mentioned that I wanted to read the book Theology of Home, and I actually purchased it this last week, and I've started reading it. And it's great, but I'm wanting to learn more 
about how to decorate my home tastefully with religious art and statues. Um, I heard the authors of the book, Theology of Home, they were actually on the Fountains of Carrots podcast with Christy Isinger and Haley Stewart. And it was so great because they were talking about how there is so much quote unquote Jesus junk out there, just the really inexpensive artwork and really bad prints and things that you don't really feel proud to put up in your home. And I love so much of the great religious artwork we have. Like Millet, the French artist, has this gorgeous painting called The Angelus. And it portrays these French peasants out in the field taking a break to pray the noontime prayer of the day. And I would love to have a reproduction, a print of that somewhere in our home. But I have no idea where to go to find beautiful religious art that I would feel was tasteful and matched my decorating style. So if you have any great Etsy shops or artists that you recommend that you think do a really great job with tasteful art or a place to find truly beautiful reproductions or prints of famous religious artwork, I would love to know where you get those. Um, (laughs) Basically, I have a lot of questions this week and not a lot of advice (laughs) is what I'm saying. Um, And then the last thing is figuring out, I would love to hear from all of you now that I'm a young-ish adult and have these kiddos, how to make my home not just beautiful, but to make it functional for our needs. That there are things that are really popular and trending that just won't work for our family. So maybe there are things about your home that you would rework if you were building right now, or maybe you've recently built a home and you decided to do things a certain way. Could you share what those things are just to tuck those into the back of my mind as we finalize our designs with the builder? There are just so many little things that you have to think about and it can sometimes feel a little bit overwhelming, but if I had the input of all of you wise women out there and men, I know I have a couple of male listeners, just to help me keep my eyes on functionality and not just beauty. That would be fantastic. We are hoping to start construction at the beginning of March. So if I could add one more thing, a prayer request that the weather cooperates. We have had a truly amazing winter so far. We have had just a dusting of snow this past week, but that's pretty much it for snow. So I don't know. I hope, (laughs) I hope it continues this way, but it's been really exciting so far. And I know what I am painting as a problem is really a huge blessing to get to move out to the country and build this beautiful home. So we're really excited about it. And I would love to get your input on it. That's all that I have for this week. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of While You Were Folding please weigh in on all of these, the potpourri of topics that I touched on tonight. 
Are you struggling with after-school restraint collapse at your house? And what are you doing to ease the transition back to school? Second, are you reading anything lately? Any books to recommend? And how in the world do you track what you're reading and what you want to read? Do you have any tips for me? And also, please add me on Goodreads so that we can start swapping book recommendations with each other. And third, when it comes to decorating our future home, tell me all about the tasteful religious art, statues, Etsy shops. Where do I go to find beautiful religious art? Help a girl out. And how to make my house more functional for family life, if you have any ideas on that. Lastly, Next week, I am doing a deep dive on Holly Pierlo. That's P-I-E-R-L-O-T. Holly Pierlo, her book, A Mother's Rule of Life. And I already know that this book is really divisive in some circles. <laughs> and I'll explain why next week. But if you're at all interested in uh, maybe participating or creating your own Mother's Rule of Life, find yourself a copy before next week. I'm going to do a deep dive on that book and how I'm creating our family's rule of life. Really quickly, a rule of life is a way for a family, also called a domestic church, to figure out how to incorporate all of the different jobs, things, tasks that you're asked to do in your vocation as a wife and mother and to give them a hierarchy of importance, and then to build a schedule around that. So that's what I'm talking about for next week, how I'm working on doing that in the new year, and the why, and the how, and all of that good stuff. So if you're wanting to join me creating your own rule of life, find Holly Pierlow, A Mother's Rule of Life, before next week. Your library probably has it, Maybe you can find it in an ebook online. I know there's an updated version of it that I found on Amazon. And I have also seen it at our Catholic bookstore too. So please join the conversation. I know someone other than my husband would love to talk through <laughs> all of these things. You can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com or on Facebook or Instagram, or my favorite, send me a voicemail on Voxer, the free walkie-talkie app. Just search for Catherine Boucher. If you liked the show, please share it with a friend, and even better, rate and review it in iTunes so that we can get it in front of more listeners. Until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding.